The Kevin Bacon theory is that everybody in the world is only seven degrees of separation away from Kevin Bacon. So Mark had made his own from plumbing supplies. And again, I had the misfortune of riding one of them and it was absolutely hideous. I should try and draw this. With Russ. <laughs> Without Googling it. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hi, Single Track Podcast listeners. This is Mark, and this is the latest episode of the Single Track Magazine podcast. I'm joined today in our virtual studio by three other members of the team. First of all, we've got Amanda. Hello. There we go. Say hello. That's good. And we've got Chips. Is this thing on? Hello? Yeah, Chips is beaming in from the Pyrenees, no less. And we also have our Scottish correspondent, long-time contributor, Sunny. Say hello, Sunny. Hello, Sani. Coming up later in this episode, we've got an interview with Richard Breeden from Trash Free Trails. That was done by Hannah. Well, first of all, we're going to start off with a few talking points of, of the week. And I think the first one I want to bring up is the press release that came in yesterday. I mean, for the listener's benefit, it is, what day is it today? It's Tuesday. Monday this week, we got the press release from British Cycling announcing their new sponsor, for the next eight years, which is Shell, the oil company. I think we can say that the general gut reaction from the public has been WTF, and that was certainly my reaction. We've got a cycling governing body taking sponsorship from a petrochemical giant, claiming that this is, in their press release, that this is going to help them reach their net zero carbon target. You've heard the um, uh, the the theory of seven degrees of separation from is it Kevin Bacon? Stay with me on this. I know I'm going off. This is, sounds like it's going off on a tangent. The Kevin Bacon theory is that everybody in the world is only seven degrees of separation away from Kevin Bacon. And by that I mean that you know somebody. That's one degree of separation. Who knows somebody? 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 Who knows Kevin Bacon? And therefore, we're only seven degrees of separation away from Kevin Bacon. Or in other words, seven degrees of separation away from anybody in the world. So 
in that regard, you can say we're only seven degrees, everybody's seven degrees separation away from Vladimir Putin. And yet, just because there's actually a, a trail of connection between you and him doesn't mean to say that you're a, a, a fascist invader of uh, the east, eastern side of Europe. It's an association. That seven degrees of association is far enough away that no one's going to actually call you a hypocrite for doing that. And that's the thing that's come out of this whole thing. There's been an argument about hypocrisy here, that people complaining that Shell are, in, are sponsoring British cycling. You're hypocrites because you put petrol in your car. And I don't take with the idea that hypocrisy is black and white. I think there's degrees of hypocrisy and that scale of seven degrees of separation illustrates it for me. We try and disassociate ourselves with as many degrees of separation from the bad things in life and the bad companies as much as we can, but ultimately we're all connected and therefore we're all in one way or another hypocrites. But what British Cycling have done, there's no degree of separation between themselves and Shell. They've gone straight in for that first degree of separation. Shell are clearly wanting to associate themselves with the good clean green side of cycling and so they've decided to shower british cycling with money but i don't think british cycling have thought about that association the other way and how it makes them look and i think it makes them look like dicks to be honest they haven't actually explained anything that's where they've gone wrong they haven't sort of british cycling haven't given an outline of how it's gonna help them or help cycling apart from financially there's been many arguments put forward on, on the forum about this. And to be fair, British Cycling, they do need a sponsor. They do need the cash. If we want to succeed sporting on the sporting you know, front around the world, then British Cycling needs that cash to be able to support cycling athletes. So they definitely need the cash. And I do imagine that they weren't sat there looking at many options. I don't think they had a suite of, oh, we've got all these offers of sponsorship from all these big companies and let's choose this one, Shell. If we're going to give British Cycling some credit, I suspect it was the only offer on the table or it was certainly the one that was offering the most money. And so maybe good intentions behind it. They just saw what they could do with that cash. But I just think the optics are absolutely awful. Sonny, what do you think? Sorry, I, I just raised my hand, which is probably not very good when you're on a podcast. Um, what I'm fascinated by is why are Shell actually doing this? What are they getting out of this? Because when I think about British cycling, I think road cycling, and you look at the, the current teams that are sponsored in the Pro Peloton, so you've got Team UAE, you've got Ineos, you've got Bahrain. Pro cycling is not exactly the paragon of virtue when it comes to clean sport. It's always been involved in sponsorship that may be regarded as questionable. So I wonder whether this is just a natural extension with British cycling just throwing the hat in the ring with Shell, and like you say, Mark, taking the money because it may well be the only offer on the table and just going, you know what, this is where we're going to get our money and we're just going to hold our nose. They perhaps may not even be holding their nose at this. They're probably thinking this is a really good deal, but what are Shell getting out of it? Okay. For those of you listening, at this point, Chips has run off. Um, there seems to be a chicken, a dog and a doorbell. Nice. Carry on, Sonny. What were you saying? No, that that was that was fundamental. That was my profundity of point, and I feel that that has just been completely wasted. So you know what? They can do what they like. <laughs> I want to just point out: literally an hour before we sat down to record this podcast, another press release has come through. It's not from British Cycling. It is from the British from British Triathlon, and they're announcing a new official partnership. 
and uh, the official partnership. Who's sponsoring British Triathlon? It's a company called Niu UK. I'd are they an arms heard. dealer? They're not an arms dealer. Do you know what they are? They they are a manufacturer of electrified two-wheel support vehicles, which they are providing to all the event <laughs> staff of British Triathlon. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the part, let me read this little bit from the press release. The partnership between Nui and British Triathlon is founded on their shared trajectory of, to reduce the environmental impact and increase long-term sustainability of UK sporting events. I just it goes on, but I just think the irony of those two press releases coming within twenty-four hours of each other is golden. I want to know what this is. I'd like to see this. They make mopeds. They make electric mopeds. It's electric two-wheel transport. They make electric scooters and everything up to like you. It's kind of, you know, like your your mod style covered in mirrors moped thing. Vespas. Vespa. That's it. Yeah, it looks like a Vespa except it's electric. So that's it's really a, cool. I think it's cool. It's a sustainable, and this is this is the thing, isn't it? We've got on the one hand, we've got British cycling taking um, a. a 30 pieces of silver from a petrochemical company renowned for destroying the environment. And on the other side, a press release has just come through from a British triathlon saying that they now have a major sponsor and this major sponsor develops sustainable transport. <laughs> I'm just pointing out the irony of these two press releases and, uh, and how one of them, British triathlon, are going to get lots of pats on the back for a sustainable sponsor, and, and that's certainly not what is happening to British Cycling. What do you think, Chips? First of all, who was who was at the door? Well, it was a, it was a delivery of a bike for me. So you'll have to Boring. tune in next time to find what exactly it was. So just to play devil's advocate a, a touch, obviously Shell would, you introduce them as the oil company. I'm sure they would say that they're a technology company that happens to do a bit of you know drilling on the side and mostly they're they're looking towards future transportation in all in all its forms but um yes they are an oil company they do have form though for sponsoring cycling i think the peugeot team back in the possibly the tom simpson days was sponsored by was co-sponsored by shell and later esso i think so it's not completely out of the blue that Shell has sponsored a cycling team. Obviously, there's, uh, I guess, there's a difference between having a little shoulder patch on a, you know, Team Peugeot cycles Robert Miller era um, cycling jersey and sort of helping steer the direction of British cycling for the next eight years, and that's that's a, it's a massive undertaking as well. Eight years is. That takes us to the end of sales of petrol cars in the UK, doesn't it? 2030? It, yeah, probably does. So, probably so does. that's conveniently timed. So there, yeah. by the time Shell's sponsorship runs out, you won't be able to buy petrol cars in the UK. Mm, indeed. Right, well, we've got a lot to talk about, but I think, I think we've expressed our opinions there. I think, hopefully mine is clear. I just think British Cycling, read the room <laughs> yes it's about the last thing that i will say and on the one the last thing i'm going to say is anybody out there arguing oh you put petrol in your car so therefore you're a hypocrite we're all hypocrites but that doesn't mean that we can't point at an oil company and go stop drilling oil out of the ground 
and try and do something better. And we'll leave it there. Right, anyway, we're going to move on <laughs> before I burst a blood vessel. <laughs> I'm going to bring Sani in. Funny enough, last week's episode, we had Ben and his talking point. I was a little worried about it because I said, Ben, what are you going to talk about today in the podcast? And he said, I've got a stem. And I just thought, what on earth can you talk about? Sunny, you too have a stem to talk about. But yours is a little different. Do you want to give us some details? What have you got? Absolutely. So, readers of a certain vintage will recall the um, the Proflex Flex stem, or as original was made by Allroad. So back in the dim and distant, must have been about 1988 when I was but a lad, uh, a spotty-faced teenager at school. Next big thing was suspension. Now, before RockShocks came out with the RS1, uh, Allroad came out with the Flex stem, which got, later got branded as ProFlex. Now, this, this gave you a few millimetres of vertical travel, and it was meant to take the edge off bumps. Now, anyone who has ever ridden the original Flex stem will know it was absolutely hideous. There was nothing to recommend it whatsoever. Cannondale, with their first attempt at a full suspension bike, I think it was the EST, it, I mean, it was amazing. It was black and green. It looked awesome. It had a coil shock, but it had a flex stem at the front with her pepperoni forks with her stiffer than a stiffer thing. So I got the chance to try one of these back in the day, and it was absolutely hideous. And it pretty much cured me of ever wanting to do it again. In fact, even, even with that, I did actually dabble in ProFlex products again, and used our, uh, what they call the, the J-Link Path Vector 2 fork, which I paid 20 quid for second hand, and it's probably the worst 20 pounds I've ever spent. Now, Amanda, you seem to be wondering at this point, what on earth am I talking about? I am a bit. I, I also, when you say hideous, do you just mean the way it looks? Or... Oh, no. It wasn't just an aesthetic thing. It was the way it performed. So every right, time okay. you hit a bump, you kind of got shot forward, and let's face it, bikes back then weren't really designed for going downhill or uphill or on flat ground at all fast. And it used to twist really badly as well. So when you found yourself going into a corner, you could actually feel one one hand pushing down more than you'd kind of like. You're thinking, when is this going to snap? Now, I never snapped one, but I never trusted one enough either to keep going with it. So jump forward to today. Where are we? Well, flex stems are back. No so, way. Surely history is not repeating itself. Well, in a way, in a way. So obviously we now have the, the great and the good um, sucking at the teeth of gravel. We've obviously just had the UCI Gravel World Championships, which just an excuse for roadies to go off-road on their normal road bikes. And uh, Redshift Sports have kicked things off again with their uh, suspension stem. Now, you'll be glad to know that the technology has come on quite a lot but we're still a lot relying on elastomers. So we've not gone down the road which uh, Allsop did with their uh, dual pivot suspension stem, which had a coil in it, which was truly horrendous as well and made more, weighed more than pretty much most forks of the time. So Redshift have come up with this stem and I have had the pleasure of using it and much to my surprise, it's very much not shit. I was expecting it to be dreadful absolutely awful but it's 20 mil of travel which on a gravel bike is actually really really effective i'm astonished i, I cannot believe these words are even coming out of my mouth but it's really good discuss so, does it have any of the same traits as the original flex stem 
Well, you just outline them. You just send you go around corners and it sort of twists and things. Does it not do any of that? Strangely, not at all. Because it's stems back then were thinner than a thin thing. They were all made from chrome ollie and it was a classic quill design, so they were very narrow. This thing is a good, I'm just looking at it right now, it's a, at least twice as wide, and they put the pivot, they've got a dual pivot, so there's a proper bolt that goes through at the stem point, which is lateral to the steerer, so that gives it a degree of stiffness, which the old ProFlex never had. So amazingly, it works. And I how, just can't get around how it works. How much would, yeah, how much would one of these cost these days? That's irrelevant. Because obviously, how obviously, much would it cost? Te technology, you can't put a price on technology. It'll cost so, less than a gravel suspension fork. It costs significantly less. Well said, Amanda. It's uh, I have the pro version, so that's the 15% lighter with the titanium bolts, blah, 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 blah. Um, and it comes in at... Say that again? Sorry, I don't think we caught that. <coughs> £269.99. However, there, uh, baking powder? Uh, no, there is actually a cheaper version as well. That's the pro version, which obviously uh, being a pro or not being a pro, I had to have because it just sounds cool. But there's a normal version as well, which comes in at about £180, which is oh, what a quite, bargain. A, quite a bit substantially cheaper. Now, I, f I feel you're not embracing this, Mark. There's a, there's a degree of um, cynicism you that think? I can feel in your voice. Yes, yes. Just bear with me though. So let's face it, gravel bikes, anyone who rides a gravel bike knows that as soon as you start hitting a bit of rock, a bit of chunk, a bit of gnar, it's horrible. They really have their limitations. I think as Ross would say, it's the wrong bike 100% of the time. Whereas I quite enjoy riding my gravel bike. Um, I've always enjoyed riding cross bikes previously uh, in inappropriate situations on mountain bike trails. What the stem does is just take the bite out, take the edge out when you're hitting into little, little, even little pebbles and bigger hits as well. And you get just enough cushion that by the end of the ride, you don't feel like you've been battered. So I think it's a two thumbs up for me so far. Yeah. I'm still testing it. We'll see how it goes longer term, but I'm genuinely impressed. When, when are we going to see your, um, your testing results? I'll go and finish testing it within the next month and then I'll write up a review for the website. Excellent. So there we go. Chips, what do you reckon to the return of the flex stem? I think for this uh, application, it's probably the right technology for the job. Um, I've ridden a number of gravel suspension products. Uh, there's things like the specialized Diverge um, bike, which has that also has a, an inch of travel um, where the, the stem moves um, vertically about an inch um, and again you, can you lock this one out Sunny or are you always suspended with this one you are always suspended it does come with a range of elastomers so you can have the fun changing them um, the Cane yeah, Creek version stick in it. <laughs> don't be cynical Oh, okay. uh, the Cane the Creek version does actually have, it's not called a lockout, but it's a stiffening lever on top, which looks like it's handily placed to um, remove certain parts of your body if you come off at a bad angle. Um, but this particular one, no, you fit and forget. Yeah, I, well. I would say that for, for the amount of suspension you're asking it to do on the terrain that you're riding, 
it's probably a, a decent thing because you're looking for comfort rather than uh, performance grip really because if you're riding on proper gravel you should have no grip anyway uh, that's, that's the joy of, of gravel riding um you know if you wanted grip you'd, you'd ride a mountain bike you know you're riding a gravel bike because you want to be quirky and different and maybe you've got the the right kind of terrain for it but um mm. certainly i've you know i found on uh suspension gravel suspension forks like the the cannondale uh gravel lefty and the um uh, uh and the rockshox rudy fork you know they're all sort of 30 mil of of travel and it's enough to know that it's working but you're you're not really i i don't think there's any room for needing you know compression damping adjustment because it's either on or it's off and and you've either got to the end of the travel or you're on your way to it so um, what's what's i want to know what's next you know the 30 year old tech is now coming back is this the start of a trend what else can we think of from back then that might be coming back mag the wheels soft, will we see those ride. again What's, oh, the the Allsop soft ride I beam. Oh my God, chips! It was horrendous. I don't know if you ever had the displeasure of riding one, but it was truly, truly awful. It utterly pointless. You even got a custom frame that could go with it as well. It bolted onto your top tube, and it was just this cover. I don't know how they made it. Was it carbon? I can't quite yeah. remember. But right. it... Amanda doesn't have any clue what we're talking about here. So if you if you imagine a like a trials hardtail, so a really really sloping frame with no saddle, and then draw and then your frame. This is going to work well on a podcast. So frame. Oh, you need pictures. You need diagrams. Angles, for this, don't you? angles diagonally down towards the rear dropout. You know, um, from the head tube, and then angling up towards where the saddle sits is another diagonal only this is made from two bits of it's a sandwich of two carbon fiber um twigs with i should try and draw this with yes <laughs> without googling it i don't wish to alarm anyone but i think i've just had a stroke is this actually happening so oh, yes dear. it was it was yeah. two sort of um I don't know, baseball bats of carbon with a rubbery mid-layer, like a blancmange mid-layer, so that as it flexed, the the two layers sheared against each, uh, one another. The, the best bit about it was if you sat down on the saddle, the you were completely suspended. You were like uh, super comfy because your saddle would, had probably about a foot of vertical travel. It did mean that when you went so downhill like a... and you stood up, the saddle came up to meet you. So you were always <laughs> sat in the saddle. <laughs> Is that clear, Amanda? You've got a full yeah. I'm accurate looking forward picture to, in your... to Amanda's reimagined uh, picture. Yeah, uh, Amanda, yeah. I need should... a moment to process that one. You need to draw a picture of what you think that is. Yeah. And and then we'll put that into the story on the website. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Amanda thinks Chips was talking about. <laughs> To get back to your, your your question, Mark, about what could be coming back, um, again, find us in the old Madison Freefield catalogue back in the late 80s, the Odyssey Steering Dampinator. Basically, this was a dampening rod that was attached to your forks to basically take the big hits out 
when you're clattering through things on your rigid bike. And again, I had the misfortune of riding one of them and it was absolutely hideous. There's no point to it whatsoever. So I'm pretty sure it will fit in with the, just because it's gravel doesn't mean it's not shit brigade. I think it could make a real comeback. I think it could be absolutely awesome. Right, well, moving on, okay, from ancient kit that's uh, coming back. Um, it's all Amanda. coming back for gravel bikes, isn't it? You've it bought is. a jack of no trades bike and you're trying to make it work on stuff. And the only way you can make <laughs> you it can't... work is by importing tech from the 80s. You, you can't say that, Amanda. You're... You, you, I can you... say it because I've got a gravel bike and I know that it's pointless. It's just a road bike that <laughs> can cope with the canal in Hebden. But really, I should be on a hard tail at that point. Yeah, you absolutely can see it, but you're not meant to see it. Sorry, gravel's really cool. Excellent. Big fan. Huge the Pentavera will be after you. <laughs> Amanda, what have you got for us this week? Uh, a public apology, I think, to uh... <laughs> not for what I've just said. <laughs> so I, I'm the person that turns up on a night ride with an exposure max d on my bars and a diablo on my head and i can see fine and i think i just render everybody else's lights useless unless they've also got however many lumens i've got it's that thing where your light is only as good as everyone else on the group ride at night um and i, I got a taste of my own medicine when i went to the todd harriers trail run last week because I went with just a head torch that I take camping that I can run with fine on my own and everyone's got like they're all serious and they've got the equivalent of a max d but on the head and I couldn't see a thing and it just made me realize that I just you know I've got the best lights I can get for a bike so I can see and I do a lot of group night rides like all through winter, I will only really be riding at night. And if people complain that they can't see because of my lights, I just think, oh, get some decent lights then. I don't say it, although they're probably going to hear this now. So, <laughs> sorry, ride drink pie. Um, that ship has sailed. <laughs> yeah, just basically, so, I don't really have anything in particular to say. It was just quite a shock turning up to, I mean, the whole thing was a shock. What, I turned running, up to running at yeah. night is definitely a shock. It's Should a group be of people that enjoy it. <laughs> no, wow. I, I turned up to they meet outside a pub, which is about the only thing that was the same as going for a group bike ride. And everyone looks at your shoes to work you out. Because I wondered why everyone was staring at the ground, but it was to see how spiky your trainers were. And then <laughs> prejudging. <laughs> yeah. Like, they're all looking me up and down and just assuming I'm a trail runner, but actually, no, they've just looked down at my shoes. <laughs> Maybe it's a foot fetish club you've got into by mistake, pretending to be a running club. <laughs> I, I had a bit of a taste of that, funnily enough, yesterday. I've, I've, I've started doing the Couch to 5K, and um, yesterday was day one. And Vic decided that she was going to accompany me. She's, she's a reasonably good runner. And I am not. And um, I've got cyclist muscles that only go one way. When you start running, everything starts to try and rewind and go the other way and everything hurts. So I, I, she said, right, we're going running. I said, right, well, I've watched all the way. I'm just going to put some jogging bottoms on. And oh, I've got some really good trainers. And I went into the depths of our cupboard and pulled out these really good A6 trainers. 
which cost me about 130 quid in 2002. And uh, she, she literally, all I got for the entire half an hour, where I've got Joe Wiley in one ear telling me how to run, and I've got Vic on the other going, I can't believe you're still running in those. The, you, 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 80s have called and want their shoes back. So there's something judgmental about runners. I, I think they well, like cyclists don't do don't do that. No, we don't your, do uh, that. No, on your B twin with your uh, no. your Ron Hills. We're, we're so accommodating to all comers and not, whatever not they ride. Not judgmental at all. Not judgmental at all. I would like to defend the Todd Harriers in that they were the most welcoming bunch. But I, I just thought, oh, this could be my cheap winter thing. But once you've got some, it's like upgrading your tyres to winter spec. You need to get some decent running shoes for winter. And you need a light and then it's just as expensive. So what's the moral of this story anyway? We've got to give the listeners a, sort of a moral. Put your um, lanyard on your exposure Diablo and run with it in your hand. And then, is that the moral of it though? No. No, I, I like running. My hips don't. I'm not built for running. It's quite good for uh, going the places that you're not legally allowed to on a bike. Thinking, oh, this would be good on a bike. Look at that, because he's Scottish. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just I'm just thinking, why don't you, you do what British Triathlon have done and get yourself one of those scooters? Because that'll, that'll solve all your problems. Then you don't need to do anything as silly as running, but you'll actually get to the places you want to go. Or just go to the pub and stay there. Sandy, I think you've completely missed my point earlier. I think so. We're going to move swiftly on now to Chips. <laughs> chips, how's ah. things going over there in the Pyrenees? What's the weather doing there right now? Well, no one likes a show off. Uh, it's sort of, you know, you might need a light jacket in the evenings. And it did rain last Monday. I think last Monday it did rain. So. Oh. There was, there was that. So, how was your French yeah. coming along anyway? It's still pretty uh, rusty schoolboy French. I think when I first turned up, it was caveman French. It was man make fire, and now it's this man make hot fire now. So you know, it's it's moving on. I'll oh. I'll get to work with tenses and uh, adjectives another time. So um, yeah, my my thing. I was I was just going to. Look at the the joys of technology, um, like Amanda with her lights. And I I can remember my first night ride still uh, was with a six watt halogen uh, bulb BLT single headlight thing, and it was fine because everyone had the same dim yellow light, and you just rode to the uh, to the speed accordingly. And and as the the uh, the light wars have have gone on and bikes and lights have got better and batteries have got better people have just kept up with the with the technology and at some point i think lights have got to the point where they they're actually good enough you any brighter won't make you any quicker and it used to be if you had if your lights were twice as bright you could actually go a lot faster because you could see more but now it's just like riding in daylight so so you need to uh Look at the uh, at the single track calendar when it's a full moon on, especially if it's snowed, and uh, mm. and go out with just your head torch and uh, and learn to feel the trail more. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've, here's the force. me and you for me and you 
Chips, me and you first met doing a lights feature, didn't we? For uh, we did, yes. Mountain bike world, was it? Yeah, I I had yeah. the brightest lights in the on the planet at that point. I had a cat eye stadium, which mm. was one of which was the first HID light, and uh, the first time I used it, people were getting off the trail about four hundred meters ahead of me, like going, "Come on by!" I'm like, "I'm not there yet," and Mark had. Uh, and but they were four hundred quid, which was a ridiculous mm. amount of money spent on lights. And Mark had made his own from plumbing supplies, and uh, radio control car batteries, I believe. Mm. Yeah, that's um, true. Which, which were fine. So I have a I have a, a grumbling dog in the background. Um, <laughs> I thought that was your stomach. <laughs> well, you know. Um, yeah, I was I was just going to marvel at you know we have this technology that that lets us all kind of communicate. Uh, talk, uh, have actual conversations uh, to and fro across three different countries, we're including Scotland, uh, and, uh, and and probably <laughs> Lancashire as well. That's, is that a different country? Um, is the, the independent? Um, is that like Yorkshire but not as good? You know, I've got these buttons here that can cut you all out <laughs> if I choose to. But I think we have such a, um, a uh, such choice of, of technology uh, that it's very easy to send someone a message and they didn't see that because they were checking their emails or you were sent sent them a message on Slack but not on um, you know iChat or whatever it is and and I've noticed that the like even in the the Hebden Bridge Night Ride Brigade. There's about five different splinter groups from, you know, because there's there'll be an an original night ride, and then there'll be people who who think it's not rad enough, so they'll go and do their own other night ride, and then there'll be people who go, well, no, I I think that's too rad. We need a less rad ride as well, but they'll all have different ways of communicating. So the Tuesday night ride will arrange things on a WhatsApp group, and then the Wednesday night ride will will have a Facebook group. And then the Monday night ride might have a different WhatsApp group that has some of the same people, but not all of them. And so everyone on both groups assumes that everyone in both groups has seen all the messages. And and then there'll be the really organized people that have a spreadsheet of the next six weeks of rides and the ride leaders and the contact names and the grid reference of where you're all meeting. All Nobody in Hebden Bridge has a spreadsheet. <laughs> And some Did he have just... electricity there yet? <laughs> oh, says the man whose phone still has buttons. I will defend my phone to the hilt. It has buttons and it has a battery that will measure in half-life, not hours for usage. So get it around you. <laughs> and that, that's the other thing. The, uh, the cycling has become an eternal search for USB power sockets. Uh, you know, you... You can hop on a bike and it's got like six different things to charge up. Oh, well, I can't come out riding for a bit because I've got to charge my gears up. And then my Garmin's running low on battery. And actually, uh, I've got a wireless dropper that has a different charger, so I need that. And then, uh, oh, hang on, my, my heart rate monitor and my headphones. And uh, has anyone got an adapter for a USB-C to a, to a USB-A or whatever? So... 
So uh, this being a problem, I mean, there are solutions. You know, there's, there's, I think uh, most e-bikes, well, uh, was it Canyon e-bikes come with USB ports on now, which is very, yes. very useful. But but um, that aside, Chips, what's, what's, what's your point, caller? What's your solution <laughs> to this? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, it could be a let's return to simpler times when we all rode steel hardtails and didn't have any, uh, any gadgets flex on our bikes stems. at all. With flex stems. That yeah. don't need charging um i think doing that kind of riding now and again is is very liberating once you get past the oh no i've left my phone at home how will anyone know i've I've been on a ride will it count if it's not on strava um, so, uh, uh, but then equally i have a, a rigid steel hardtail from the 90s that i keep and i ride once a year usually at the malverns and it reminds me just how far we've come so so I think it's it's nice to to look back on technology and then actually realize that bikes these days are are all great and nothing goes wrong with them and you don't stop for punctures every 10 minutes. Mm. That started off as a whinge about technology. Mm. And now it's a, And it ended in favor of it. Well, I think non-charging technology is great because uh there are you know, along with this sort of, well, let's electrify gears and let's electrify suspension and, and everything because we can, not particularly because it does anything loads better than than cables. Uh, I think the technology that has grown up around it, things like tubeless tires um, and components that aren't made of cheese and uh, and, you know, bearings that work and uh clothes that work i think all those are, are fantastic bits of technology that, that is worth the uh, price of admission um, i think there's still plenty of cheese components around if we if you think hard enough i don't think everything's improved dramatically there's certain group sets i can think of that seem to feel to me to be made of cheese and uh, but but yes we take your point chips a point well made <laughs> just because <laughs> just because <laughs> I don't know. Just because it's old, just it really because it's old, doesn't mean me. it's not shit. I think is the is the conclusion, <laughs> isn't it? That's all right. So it's Tuesday, which is my night ride, and I'm going on my steel hardtail. And I've checked the WhatsApp group and the Instagram group to make sure that we're all meeting in the same place. So mm. it is. Sunny doesn't have any of these problems because. The, what we're talking about is these like exist on special phones. He he you... finds a, a the back of an envelope uh, taped to the third post box down the down the lane. Yeah, postcards. Probably... That's how you that's... communicate with yes. your riding buddies, isn't it? That's harsh, but probably quite close to the truth. If I'm being brutally honest. Yeah, <laughs> but I, the, the whole concept of Instagram, Facebook, social media, and then Strava and all that has just completely passed me by, and. It's bizarre because I used to be in charge of IT. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> but it's just one of these things that it's just that uh, I have zero interest in it. It doesn't add to the experience for oh, me anyway. I'm the same. Zero interest. But how do you arrange to see people if they all depend on it? How did we do this in the past? I've got no idea. I'm, I'm so old fashioned that I still phone people and talk to them. I know that's quite an alien concept. Uh, but it seems to work quite well. Actually, I arrange a time and a place for going to ride, 
and then meet up and ride. It's quite old-fashioned, and there's still the danger that folk won't turn up, but that's part of life. You can you don't need to worry about what's going to happen in Strava or anything. I'm such a fart. I really am. I'm such a fart. No, I'm going to uh, hand over to Hannah now, who's uh, been interviewing Richard Breeden from Trash Free Trails, talking about the Trash Mob Academy. So over to you, Hannah. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So I'm joined now by Rich Breeden from Trash Free Trails and Trash Free Trails has just launched the Trash Mob Academy, which is an outdoor educational course to tackle environmental disconnection in young people. So Rich, hello. Thank you for joining hello. us. <laughs> and off in the deep end, what is the Trash <laughs> Mob Academy then? What are you trying to do with that? Uh, yeah, so it's, uh, I'll, I'll go with the top line. Um, it's a youth engagement project that seeks confidence and overall well-being in young people that we think might need it the most. So through a program of Nature Connection, uh, or what we think is Nature Connection, uh, environmental and social responsibility with a catalyst of outdoor physical activity, we're looking to develop those three constructs. Um, the reason for leading with the kind of well-being side of things is because to me, uh, far from being a like prerequisite for well-being, it, it's actually part of well-being and, a, and an indicator of. So, you know, broadly, those who are more connected to nature display higher levels of well-being. So I think then we are saying that nature connection is good for the planet because it means that we care about the environment that's around us. But you're also saying that it's good for us because we're more likely to have happy feelings of well-being if we're out there in nature. Is that right? So it's a circular thing. Absolutely, yeah. And, and yeah, I don't know. I don't even know whether circular is the right... It, it, I see where you're going, but it's it's more like interdependence, you know, like one relies on the other. Uh, an inverted commas, happier popul population should result in, inverted commas, happier nature, to, right. to, use, to use those words. Um, but in short, yeah, it's good for... It's good for us and and nature. So it's what the, the word we use for the kids is it's it's good for both of us if we continue to act this way. Okay. So what sort of things do you do with Trash Mob to uh, to facilitate this? It was it was kind of the the brainchild of a of a couple of people to start off with. Um, 
right back before I started working with Trash Free Trails while I was doing my masters, I I went through my own journey of kind of rediscovery with this and found nature, found the outdoors, and I I wanted to help help people, you know, using the methods that I had come across and discovered myself. And um, Dom from Trashy Trails, who was uh, just it was just him at the time and, and a few volunteers, uh, wanted to figure out how we could incorporate that kind of work into the more traditional work that Trashy Trails was doing at the time. And we knew that there was a link between environmental protection and well-being, uh, but we didn't really know like what 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 that was or or how to implement it. And then all of a sudden, we were trying to like maybe um, to borrow a term, chase a dragon that didn't exist. <laughs> and what, what eventually, so, uh, Joe Shui came to us and said, "Look, I want to run a program of work with a group of kids from my purple pupil referral unit." And we thought, "Well, hold on a minute. This is it. This is the opportunity to." work with people that might need it the most so we developed a program of uh a program of work for school teachers to deliver so it was six sessions of nature connection environmental awareness litter education and that kind of thing coupled with six mountain bike coaching sessions and the idea with that is like i say that mountain biking is very much the catalyst for the changes in environmental awareness and nature connection that we were looking to looking to solve really so right we ran that as a pilot and then the pilot was successful. And then we decided to take a bit of a step back from the delivery of it and let teachers, guides, coaches deliver it themselves. So between 2020 and now there's been 12, 10 to 12 um, pilots that have run and they've all been, they've all been successful. Some of them have required a little bit more input from us than others. Um, but really the, the outcomes have been great. So supported by uh, Sprayway, Hope and Kotick and just more recently Go Ape. Um, we've let that run, let those six sessions run their course. We've had a bit of feedback and stuff around, it, may, it might be too much for some people. Believe it or not, I don't know about everybody on this podcast, but everybody, it's not the case that everybody likes mountain biking. Mm-hmm. I, I found that quite hard to believe at the time as well. But <laughs> moreover, they people might not have access to bikes or access to trails or whatever. Yeah. So we've kept that six session content but we've now relaunched it such that it's a little bit more developed a little bit more detail involved uh but there's also content for runners and walkers so we always say ride we are riders runners and roamers and everyone's welcome so the traction academy as it was didn't really fit with that because there wasn't anything for for runners and roamers to do specifically so we've launched that uh alongside that we've also launched a brand new e-learning uh course in collaboration with a, a company called udemon.com um so that's kind of a bit of a bit of the stuff i was talking about and a bit of the kind of background to trash trails and what we're all about in in a kind of easy to digest format so that even if you're not a rider runner or roamer and you sit behind a computer all day you can still you know see some of those nature connection benefits and stuff that we were talking about Okay, so even if you are in a school that doesn't have the funding to get some kids out into a green space and that kind of thing, there is an e-learning opportunity there. Um, But for those that can get out into some sort of green space, you don't have to have a mountain bike. You're saying you could also just walk or run. Um, Yeah, walk, run, ride, ride, run or roam or or whatever other means of transport you see fit, I guess. So now there is a rather wonderful video um, that sort of shows the journey of some of the kids that have 
been on the trash re or the trash mob um academy and mm-hmm. um and certainly i think anyone that's ever worked with kids that haven't had all the chances in life that um maybe our own kids might have or whatever um it it's really uh noticeable that there are kids that are excluded from mainstream education and they've never had a day where they've been good at something or they've been praised for something and taking them out of that environment and giving them something else and letting them discover that they can do something like ride a bike or do a wheelie or whatever it is that they find Mm. is can be really transformative for them can't it yeah absolutely and and the, the the kind of young people that we've worked with to date yeah you're right they like they they haven't had this feeling of being a that they, they think that it's just them you know in their little world and that's why they act out uh they don't get the attention the the right kind of attention so mm. they 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 invite the wrong kind of attention in inverted commas you know um yeah. there's there's so many things like many constructs in in this project and in this work that we're doing that that contribute so you're you're part of a group which is always like these people have never been part of a group with similar goals you this there's a concept called self-transcendence which is this feeling that you're part of something bigger than yourself and this is something that we at trash retails do as much as we can is try and make it more than the sum of its parts so Mm -hmm. this feeling that not only are you part of a group but that group is part of a bigger group and that group is part of a bigger and bigger group and if you're able to do that and instill that in people that fosters that ownership it fosters the community that i was talking about and it really helps helps people like work on themselves really so these these are the kind of people that you know uh it it could be all on them for them inverted commas right it could be on them to improve their own lives but it kind of can't be but at the same time you have to empower them to be able to do it themselves and how do you do that and that that's what i'm talking about about being part of a group Mm-hmm. developing ownership developing this sense of passion and and an ownership not just over your trails and, and the wild place they take as you but actually over your own emotions as well um yeah. which again these guys these guys don't have so yeah i mean watch the film yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, i say all of this in the film as well but it, we're we're launching it properly uh i think it's this weekend so keep the it up the 9th of October, I think, yeah, it goes out yeah. live. Yeah, I saw it at Kendall Mountain Film Festival last year and it, um, yeah, it's really good. And so um, we've been talking here about you know, the uh, Trash Mob Academy being developed uh, in the context of a pupil referral unit, but mm. there's got to be benefit to nature connection um, for, for everyone. So... Uh, can any school or any educational setting do the Trash Mob Academy? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I always thought that when I was in school, like why do the why do the bad kids get to do good stuff? <laughs> but um, yes, we developed it with pupil referral units in mind, but that's only because they have the flexibility in their curriculum to allow this kind of stuff to happen. Um, we've it's been piloted with with, with regular schools and. Mm-hmm. With, with similar levels of success so it's, it's all there's lesson plans it's curriculum linked risk assessments provided you do the risk assessments and stuff then you're covered by our public liability insurance um so yeah the the, the great thing about it is that it's it's super easy for any teacher any guide 
to just pick up and run with it. You don't need to develop anything because we've done all that for you and it's all free of charge as well. So. Cool. And so for us oldies that are past our school days, unfortunately, uh, I believe you have something called Purposeful Adventure, which might kind of uh, help us reconnect as well. Would that serve the same sort of purpose? <laughs> uh, yes. Um, Purposeful Adventure is, is a it, we ran a summer of purposeful adventures but it's also a program that's that's integral to our work so our mission is to remove 75 percent of single-use pollution from trails and wild places by 2025 and also to reconnect people with nature through purposeful adventure um and like i say we ran the project in the summer and we tried to center center the idea around leaving a positive trace um and the idea of leaving a positive trace in the places that you pass through, the people that you come across on that journey, and yourself, we've been able to show that that actually deepens your connection with the places that you find yourself in. Interestingly, so that's, sorry. sorry, that's that's different to leave no trace, isn't it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, we, well, the, that's the, kind of the leave no trace is the has been the traditional the kind of man, yes mantra. So yeah. It's, it's a mantra and it's an it's an amazing movement and they've been at like the seven the seven steps or whatever it is to leave no trace have been well received and it, it, it makes sense people get it uh but i think the very fact that trash free trails exists the fact that we're talking right now means that it's not enough like mm-hmm. the, the idea of not leaving any any trace isn't isn't working or it is working to an extent but the fact that we're here means that we need a little bit more that idea of leaving a positive trace adds to that so people know where you've been in a good way so i think i don't know this for sure but leave no trace is founded on the principle that people were leaving a bad trace so if Mm -hmm. you left no trace that's better than being bad but we move that forward to to adding something to to your adventure and it it can be as it does like we a couple of people went on went on an adventure and the, the purpose was to go to do a school tour or a school visit or something and do a lecture to some kids or do an assembly or do a trail clean or something like that. But it can be as simple as, you know, those signs that you see on like parks and stuff and you just look like you always think who's reading them. Just mm-hmm. spend, the, spend the 30 seconds to read about the place that you're in and that will deepen your connection with the place. If you see a bit of a bit of rubbish, pick it up. That counts as leaving a positive trace because before you were there, there was a bit of rubbish. Now there isn't. Um, and then the one for yourself, uh, it could, that can be whatever. It could, the whole the beauty of that is it can be whatever you interpret it to be. Um, but for me and yourself, it's just about taking that time sometimes when you're you know when you're trying to get a, the, your best time or you're trying to get to the top because it's bad weather or something. It's not going to hurt to just take a few minutes just to stop and think about what you're doing because. And, and why you're there, you know, because all too often we head out on our bikes, we head out on our on our rides and runs and roams or whatever, and we're just doing it for the sake of it because it's fun. But why is it fun? And why do you keep going to that same place? And just, just that process of thinking about it a little bit deepens your connection to those places. And another element then that I think has contributed to the success of the uh, trash mob, particularly in Wakefield, has been the presence of Leeds Urban Bike Parks. I think a lot of the mountain yeah. biking that they did was there. Yeah. Um, so, you, you know, you've obviously said that it's not essential for people to be able to get on a mountain bike to go and do Trashmark Academy. But how how important do you think those 
urban spaces, outdoor spaces are to nature connection? Right. Yeah, I mean, it depends what you find defined by urban green space because I don't know what the, the government definition is, but I bet it's not the same as our definition. Um, well, let's say being able to access it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without I mean, getting in a car. <laughs> well, su- super important, right? Like, yes, it is really important, but at the same time, something we tried to do per- with personal adventure that I'm not sure whether it came out so well was trying to think about uh, like adventures from your doorstep. Um, and try your every day because like we're we're very privileged in that like i've got a lovely dog walk just out the back of my new house i can hop in my van i can drive 15 minutes to to ballow woods if i want to ride my bike i can go an hour or so into the into the mountains because i'm privileged enough to have enough money to have and have and run a van uh i'm privileged enough to have and own a house but lots of people don't have any of that at all so but I think that we would do well as the outdoor community to pull back from that importance a little bit and try and try and advocate for adventure in in its broadest adventure. People think of a multi-day and actually it can just be to the dog walk or to the local shop. So one of the <laughs> one of the uh, the groups that piloted the Trestle Academy, a school out of Liverpool, um, has a lot of orphaned refugee kids and they get excited about going to the shop so they get excited about going to asda was that when they were away for half term that was that was what they came back and said they were the most excited about so how do, how on earth do you try and work with someone like that local park you they don't the fund the school doesn't have the money to take them anywhere so what do you do you know the teacher uh, a lovely lady called louise organized for a load of scooters for them and that was the physical activity that they needed. And it doesn't matter where you look, you will be able to find some sort of nature, uh, whether that's the people or whether it's just weeds or pigeons or whatever. So yes, our, our urban green spaces are of paramount importance to nature connection, but I think we could do well, we would do well to, to try and advocate for other ways of, of doing it, other ways of adventure and other, other ways of being really, because it is all. Okay. Right. Well, uh, I think that possibly raises a few interesting questions for those who are uh, racing against the clock. And um, yeah, yeah, like I wonder how connected they are to nature. Mm. Mm. Uh, The the Strava watchers. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, This is it, right? Um, Don't don't let that if you I understand, we understand that. A lot for a lot of people that's what being outside is about it's about getting your best time it's about training for the next event don't let what i'm talking about get in the way of that rather just separate the two so every ride doesn't have to be a training ride and if it does then fair play you you we've got some work to do to, en- to engage you in our work but i wouldn't want to take that away from anybody and and I un- I, i'm not a racer but i, I understand the drive and the passion that to be that dedicated to something that you love and Ollie, Ollie Young from Bristol who just did the GB Duro mm-hmm. uh, raised money for for us as a result he raised like 850 quid or something so thanks thanks to Ollie and everybody who donated but he also did trail cleans and stuff along the way so for him yes he was doing the GB Duro so it was an endurance thing and he was trying to get a good time and stuff but he was also incorporating 
other bits and bobs into it as well. So that's that's just really cool to see. So uh, it sounds to me like for those of us that are in the position of, of having a bit of awareness around what is around us, then we can potentially improve our lives and and the planet by just being a bit more conscious about our interactions and, and maybe getting involved with trash free trails. Um, but definitely, if you want to go a step further, definitely do that. Okay. <laughs> if you want to go a step further and in some way uh, support the Trash Mob or uh, Trash Mob Academy or find out a bit more about it, just briefly give us the, the key web addresses that we should be heading to for more info. Uh, so, well, yeah, we're at Trash Free Trails and Instagram is the best uh, kind of source for content and useful information and there's always someone on the end of the messages like i say if you do have any questions trashfreetrails.org is the website and then if you click on the trash book slash trash book academy all of those links are on the uh the instagram uh link but if you forget all of that if the easiest way to get involved is to get out on your local trail i guarantee you'll find some sort of single use pollution there of some sort uh and pick it up uh, whether you want to tell us about it or not, great. Uh, if you want to contribute a little bit more, we've got the State of Our Trails report, which is the first uh, and only study of its kind. Cool. Well, I will put a bunch of uh, other Trash Free Trails stories that we've run on a single track across the years um, in, in the podcast story too, because I know there's a bunch of different links there and there's also Dom talking at length about... Uh, trash free trails and and some of the brands that you've worked with or challenged so mm. lots more information for anyone that wants to go back in time and and learn a bit more uh, yeah, well, great, yeah. thank you very much uh rich for joining us today um and all the best for the trash mob academy thanks a lot yeah no great, great to be invited and thanks for yeah thanks for chatting Oh, welcome back to us here in the studio. We're all that's it for this week. That's the that, that's the sum total of our of your learnings from the single track team. I don't know whether there was anything Sorry. in particular that you'll take away from this week's episode. <laughs> take this knowledge and use it wisely. Yes. I'm going to go and research about all those things Sunny spoke about from before I was born. Don't you got to draw a picture of what you think oh, Chips yeah. was talking about the soft ride. Yes. Got to draw a picture of that. So anyway, just quickly going around the table, Chips, what are you up to this weekend? Oh my God! Uh, this weekend I've got a, a couple of friends coming to visit from Canada. Strangely, lots of people want to come and visit me these days. It's I don't know why. Uh, so they they're turning up, um, and then my mum is turning up on Monday as well. So I'm going to have to hurriedly uh, tidy the house. So very glamorous. Fantastic. Sunny, what are you up to this weekend? Well, well, contrary to what my reputation might seem, um, I'm actually installing a smart heating system on, and new radiators as well. So, yeah, I, I do not. It it, pretty much. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's dial-up. <laughs> Indeed. Hello. Can we change this for you? Uh, no, I will be using my wife's smartphone to actually operate it because I do not possess such a thing. And other than that, I'm going to ride my gravel bike in the sense of supreme satisfaction. I've got 20 mil of travel and I'm quite happy with that. Very good. Uh, Amanda, what are you up to? Sorry, I love that Sani's wife is going to be in charge of when the heating comes on. <laughs> um, what am I up to? I'm going on a bikepacking trip with the Rate Good Bike Club. Rate Good. 
Okay. That's it. I'm sorry, is that, is that, no that Northern than... talk? I don't understand that. What's... Yeah. Re, re... It, okay. Right, cool. good. Right, good. Excellent. Be right. It's lovely and regional. I do love your accent. Fantastic. And on that note, what am I doing this weekend? I'll finish off on that. I'm going to probably ride uh, another e-bike. That's that's all for this week. So you will catch up with us next week when we've got more amazing things to talk about. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.